Welcome into episode 132 of the Natural Hattrick Podcast alongside Craig Morgan, the Natty Hattie, and Jamie Eisner. I'm Luke Lipinski. That's my new gimmick, just to not say anything. I love, oh. I love his dead air. He does it better than anyone. That, that could be your nickname on the show. Dead air? Jamie Dead Air Eisner. Better than Leftovers. That's uh, Yeah, Leftovers is here. Chris Schubert is... He's, uh, got, he's got the bingo card again that we are terrible at our own bingo game. And still no mic. Still no mic, Chris. I'm sorry. It's almost better that way, though, because if it, he gets it, really it passionate, he can yell something. Uh, just real quick on the bingo card. I think there's four ways we could hit bingo today. And we will hit none of them. We won't. Do you see this as a good thing that we haven't hit bingo quickly or a bad thing? No, I don't like being. I don't like losing. I don't like losing either. Do you feel like this is losing though? Yeah, yeah, I feel. Ashamed. We're taking a big L. I feel. This I feel is like what is it? Six episodes in, seven episodes in, and we can't hit bingo. Yeah, I'm but I, I see. I'm glass half full, and I see this as we're not as predictable as we were in 2017. Mm. I have a hard time believing that. I just think we're just not predictable for what is on that chart. Oh. I keep seeing the uh, Game of Thrones meme. Shame. I just keep seeing it over and over again. <laughs> so instead of not being predictable, it's really that we're not giving the people what they have openly said they want on a card. Yes. Okay. I can live with that. Uh, let's start with some good news. Willie O'Ree honored across the league last night. We're recording this on Thursday, so uh, Wednesday night, Bruins-Canadians game on the 60-year anniversary of breaking the color barrier in the NHL. Pretty cool deal there. Yeah, you know, I, I had the chance to sit down with him it's amazing. It was five years ago now. I met him at a golf club on the west side in Sun City. Incredibly engaging guy. Incredibly articulate and and. Hold on, hold on. Why were you at a we're golf both, club in Sun City? Yeah, hold on. That's what I was wondering too. You know, I was I was like doing a story. Yeah, I was interviewing Willie O'Ree. Oh, you, oh, okay, oh, you, you were, were there. there for that. Oh, okay. I thought okay. you were interviewing just Willie O'Ree. Happened the, to be on the links. Well, and just you like, know, oh, hey, I, Willie. I might have a few friends out that way. And <laughs> can you? Because you know this podcast doesn't have to just be listened to in Arizona. Can you explain to people in five words or less what Sun City is, either one of you? Jamie, actually, I, I prefer Jamie. Five words it. or less, yeah, yes. let's hear it. But what, what is Very Sun much City? a retirement community. <laughs> Very much. Not in five words or less. That's not how haikus work. Well, a separate request, but okay, yeah. Just very much a retirement community, I guess, is a, is a way to put it. So well done, Jamie. And you, you somewhat filtered yourself, too. All right, Craig, back to your story. Yeah. Nice segue. Not really. No. So I was looking back at this story, and it, it, it reminds me of not, not only what he had to overcome in terms of being the first black player in the NHL, which still isn't an easy thing, I would imagine, in the NHL, because it seems like every team maybe has one. Yeah. So it, it, it's a difficult road, and we can talk about that in a little bit, but Willie O'Ree took a slap shot to his eye. He, he, he's legally blind in one eye. He wears a prosthesis in one eye, so, but he kept playing. And for a while, he didn't even tell his coach what was going on. So when he was when he was playing the off wing, literally he had to look. He had turned his head all the way over so they could see passes coming. It's an amazing story when you talk to this guy. Incredible anecdotes from him. But at any rate, that's uh, ridiculous. Because you're right. It really is. Most right? people don't know that. And imagine playing hockey where you have to do that just to be able to to function on the ice. But to, to tell you, I mean, to 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 give you an indication of how determined he was to make it. He battled through that and still played. I mean, this guy has so many things in his history. His grandparents fled slavery in the South via the Underground Railroad. There's there's amazing facets to his story. So what an incredible guy to honor with, with all that he's been through, with, with the history of this in the United States and and all that it means to, to break the color barrier. What a fantastic ambassador for that. Uh, happy to see him being honored. Sun City. Okay, wow, we're back to that. A place to retire. Enough about race relations. Let me tell you about Sun City. <laughs> that is what it really is. Does Craig even golf? You asked for a haiku. so There's your haiku. And that's, you know what, the wow, last question's okay. fair. Does right. Craig even golf? 
I used to golf. Can we have like a natural hat trick golf outing? Because I don't think any of us are very Oh, I good. can't golf at all. Well, I've golfed like five times ever. And we live in like the golf capital of the world. Yeah. But we should do this. We're going to do this. Uh, back to your story though, Craig. Yeah, way more important than my haiku, but... You know, he's been to a, a few Coyotes games. I, I've never actually... I've met him for five seconds once. Yeah, I shook his hand once at a Coyotes game. He was at several a few years back. Like, he was at three or four different games. In those five seconds, seemed like a pretty laid-back guy. I mean, you can only read really? so much into five seconds, and, and you've obviously met him for longer than we have, but is that a fair assessment of his personality? Yeah, incredibly laid-back. You, ha- you have to be, right? I guess, yeah, with, with what he had to deal with. Let me read you a quote here okay. about what it was like to break the color barrier in hockey. Interestingly, in Montreal and Toronto, it wasn't a big deal, and Boston was okay because I was playing for the Bruins, and the players were terrific. They accepted me from day one. But especially in Chicago and Detroit, I ran into players and fans that made racial slurs and remarks. I heard the N-word so much, I thought they were complimenting me. Wow. (laughs) Okay. At least that was a different time doesn't make it any better but at least he's not talking about like 2010 or something he's talking about many many years ago um it, i think you have to have that personality mm-hmm. to be able to survive that and thrive but at the same time it's it's amazing that he made it through that and still has that personality yeah you know what i mean you have to have that personality going in but he must have just honed that ability to block people out or spin the negatives into whatever little positive there might be or find the silver lining or you just, I mean, the story you just told, he's obviously got that internal drive that not everybody has where he was just like, screw you guys, I'm going to do this. Whatever you say, it doesn't matter. Yeah, the ability to, to just move past it too, to shed it, really, just to brush it off. Was, it, it's amazing to me. I'm not sure I could manage this. And one more quote from him before we, we dive into something that I want to talk about maybe a little bit more about the fact that there aren't many minorities in the NHL and there are there are practical reasons for that as well, but here's, here's the walk-off quote in my story from five years ago. I learned from a young age that names won't hurt you unless you let them. I knew if people couldn't accept me for the individual I was, then that was their problem, not mine. I've always loved this game. I skated to school every morning down the roadway when I was a kid. It's like my dad told me a long time ago, find a job you love and you'll never work a day in your life. Great stuff from Willie O'Reilly. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Excellent. That's... Uh... So that's the way to approach it. To the to the greater point here, we know that the NHL has made some efforts in recent years to expand the game into inner cities, but there's there's a practical reality. Well, a couple of them actually. Um, there, there's there's the cost of the game. It's a first of all, very yeah. expensive game to yes. play. Yes, very expensive. And secondly, you can play street hockey, ball hockey, all you want. It doesn't translate to ice hockey. You have to learn to skate. So you need ice rinks, and there aren't many ice rinks in inner cities. So as much as they would like to expand into this market, and as much as I think it would be of value to the NHL to have that kind of diversity, not, not only racially, but socio- socioeconomically as well, it's probably not practical for the NHL. So when you see them doing things like going to China to try to spread the game there, in some ways it makes sense. Okay, where can we realistically expand the game? How can we make this game more diverse that's probably more realistic than trying to get the game into the inner cities. Well, and we talk about geographically as well. There's a large portion of the country that it you don't have ice to skate on on a regular basis. And as Craig said, if you do have ice rinks in the cities you're in, it's not cheap to get ice time. No, it's, it's absolutely not. I mean, this is something that I saw a lot growing up, too. There's, there's a lot of people, 
It's funny. I, I may actually take the opposite stance here of, of Craig. It makes more sense to me to try and promote your game within because there are so many people in North America that don't get a chance to play more so than not like I, not like I don't think you should be trying to expand the game globally as well to, to countries where it's not big. But there's a lot of really talented athletes around the United States mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm sure Canada as well that aren't even getting the chance. And I know that then there's the thought of, well, you know, what, what do they care about hockey? Uh, it, it, race aside, just there are a lot of good athletes that don't have the money to play hockey. If there's a way where you could at least give them the, the chance and the opportunity to play a little bit and see which ones were willing to stick with it and you know come up with programs or whatever to, to raise more money for those individuals that want to keep playing, you know, give them a chance to all get out there when they're age 5 to 10 or whatever and then see which ones want to stick with it. I know that that's not totally maybe not totally realistic, but at the same time, it shouldn't be impossible either. And part of it goes into what you have in schools. You can you can play organized football, baseball, soccer, basketball. You can play all those sports in high school at the very least. So you have the opportunity to play those sports in yeah. high school. Very few high schools out here, for example, do you have the opportunity to, to play hockey. You didn't even have those in my high school when I was growing up. No. I had to play in other leagues that, you're right, are extremely expensive and yeah, not to, there's there, yeah, there's they're incredibly expensive. So and and that's that's always going to be a barrier. I don't know what you do about that. You can you can try and infuse some money into that, and I think they are to an extent, maybe not enough. And you're right also about athletes. You're cutting off some incredibly elite athletes mm-hmm. that are being funneled into other sports when, when you don't get into the inner cities. And but not by their choice. They don't even have all the the, oper- the uh, yes. options to choose from. Yeah, Agreed. because the two ways you grow up loving sports, besides watching it, is you go out and play. It, it costs five bucks to go to Walmart, buy a basketball, most parks have some sort of basketball hoop. I can go play basketball with my friends for $5. I can spend 10 bucks on a football and go throw a ball around the field. I can go you know, at, at your local high school and I can join the wrestling team in most of these places. I can join all of these other teams. It's so rare to have the ability to have the sticks and the pucks and the pads and the skates. And, and the ice. And the ice. I mean, Especially everything here. about it is expensive and is not part of the natural sports progression for a lot of the country. I thought you were going to say the natural hat trick. <laughs> you had the chance and you didn't do it. I just, when, when you look at two major barriers facing the NHL, and there's other ones, I mean, in terms of growing the league itself, we've talked long and, and, and at length on this show about how marketing could be done differently, but it feels like cold weather is the one that is brought up by a lot of people. Of It's just, well, you know, traditional markets are in the Northeast or they're in Canada. I really think the expense of playing, of getting into the game is a bigger barrier than weather. I've, I've Absolutely, but that. it's a benefit when, again, if you can walk out your back door and skate on a pond, yeah. Amen. you are more likely to do things on skates. Yep. Yep. I did that all winter in, in Chicago. You can't do that here. No. no. So you have to go to one of, what I don't know how many ice sheets it is. It's like a dozen or so. I'd have to count them in my head, but you have a dozen there's ice eight. sheets. I think you, there's eight or nine here. You have to be able to get on the ice. You have to afford to get on the ice. You have to find availability, which is why Luke plays his beer league games at 1 a.m. But yeah. it's just, it's yeah. really difficult. 11.30 last night. Um, yeah, there's, I think there's 10 or 11 sheets of ice here. And that's honestly, that's more than a lot of cities, yeah. probably bigger cities around the U S if you, if you don't have an NHL team, you don't have a lot of sheets of ice. I don't know what I wasn't in Phoenix before the coyotes got here. Craig, you were, mm-hmm. how many sheets of ice were there before that? Oh my God. There was Arcadia, like there was Oceanside and okay, that's two sheets right there. Oh, yeah. They they each have one. I think that's it for permanent so, sheets. So no ice den, no, you know, no, the ice den was built. Okay. The, the polar ices that became Gilbert Ice and, you know, now affiliated with the ice den, those all were built after. So that's nine sheets of ice right there yeah. you're adding on. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, because the ice den has three sheets. Yep. yep. Chandler has two, so that's yep. five. Uh, Gilbert has two, that's seven. Yep. Peoria, Peoria has two, two. is nine. That's, that's your uh, weekly math lesson here on the Natural Hattrick Podcast. You sounded like you had more you wanted to say here, though. No, I think I got my point ac- across. It's just, it, I, I just wanted to, you know, when people look at the NHL, it's, in some ways, it is, is, it's diverse because you have a lot of nations represented, but in terms of racially within the United States or within North America, not so much. And that's just to look at the barriers and the reasons why it isn't and why it may never be, unless they make, unless they truly just pump a ton of money into this focus. And I'm not sure I see that happening because they can do it elsewhere, too. They can yeah. grow, the, grow the game globally. I, I don't know what's going to happen down the road, but there, there are certainly impediments to doing it in inner cities. I'll tell you what, and the U.S. Has, has fared well on the international stage lately, but I think the U.S. would benefit greatly if there was a way they could oh do that. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, yes. more than, probably more than any nation, right? Yeah, I mean, oh, ultimately, yeah. top athletes in the U.S., they go, they play basketball, they play football, they play baseball. They're starting increasing numbers, soccer now. Yep. yep. I mean, it's just that's where the top athletes in this country are going. It's not the same thing, but it, it's you can draw somewhat of a parallel. But, I mean, how many times have we heard that Austin Matthews was probably going to go down the playing baseball path? If he hadn't ended up at a Coyotes game and, and played a little hockey, you know, you know, Austin Matthews obviously had the money, or his family had the money for him to play hockey. But how many, how many potentially great hockey players in the U.S. are playing basketball or baseball or football or like Jamie just said, soccer? Because that's what's accessible to them at an early age. And hockey's not a sport you can pick up at age 15 and then break into the NHL. Right. So, all right, let's talk about Mike Babcock being angry because this is a, at least an <laughs> annual thing, and it's very indicative of. I don't even want to say the situation in Toronto because they've basically locked up a playoff spot, but just the atmosphere in Toronto. You want to take this one, Jamie? Well, I mean, this is stuff we talk about all the time. Uh, When you are in a media market like Toronto, particularly for the Maple Leafs and when hockey is your everything, with all due respect to the Blue Jays, hockey is your everything. This is what's Toronto FC? With all due respect, hockey is your everything. This is what's going to happen. When you... you, quote-unquote struggle for a little bit, uh, all, all the people come out of the woodwork to basically take a, a 1 out of 10 issue and make it a 7 out of 10 issue. I mean, it happens. I mean, we talk about the media markets in New York and Chicago, uh, out here if, in Boston, that, that, that do the same things. I, to me, I, I, the Leafs aren't in any danger of missing the playoffs. They're, they're, they're literally playing to decide who gets to play Game 7. Is it in Boston or is it in Toronto? Yeah, that's just, what this rest of the season's about. Just to back Jamie up for the first time ever on this podcast, but the standings as we record this, Toronto's third in the Atlantic with 54 points. Boston is second with 58. Neither one of them probably catching Tampa Bay no matter what they do. They have 65. And nobody's dropping down to fourth because that's Detroit, first of all, and they're 11 points back of Toronto. So we know that Toronto and Boston are playing in the first round of the playoffs. And it's mid-January. Right. Well, but, but the, I mean, the the... The so-called criticisms of Babcock's coaching style, there, there's all kinds of dissection going on here right now because, probably most likely because of what they did last season. The expectations now are, you know, so many people think that progress is linear. Well, the Maple Leafs have to take the next step this season. They have to get to the conference final. They have to go to the cup final. It doesn't always work that way. This is still a young team. You still feel good about what's happening there with that kind of talent. I do believe it's going to come together. But, you know, when you're in a media market like this where everything's under the microscope, suddenly Austin Matthews needs to be playing more minutes. They're misusing other players. There's Mm -hmm. all kinds of criticisms like this from all the coaches out there who apparently know better 
what, because, because they just have uninformed opinions or they're studying their stats and that's what's telling them, that's, that's what's guiding their opinion. But it, some of that may be valid. There may be ways to tweak this to do it better, but the Maple Leafs have a lot of really good minds there. <laughs> they really do have a lot of good minds in that organization. And I think the toughest thing for people right now in Toronto is to have patience with this organization. It feels like that the hype you get in the NFL in the two weeks leading up to the Super Bowl where you have to make stories out of nothing. Now that Toronto's good, I feel like they're just, maybe it's not nothing, but they're really taking it to ridiculous levels, and it's only going to get worse or more entertaining depending which angle you're looking at it from. It's like, it's like in the NFL this week. Tom Brady has a slight hand ailment, so that's going to be a huge story for seven days. In Toronto, they've lost three in a row. I'm not, I'm not saying that they're not struggling a little bit, but think about where you were two years ago when you were, <laughs> you were headed towards the first pick in the draft, and you know you're going to be a playoff team this year. You know you've got more talent than some of the teams in the playoffs. Now, the next 35 games or whatever is built around just trying to gear up for the playoffs. You're, you've got a luxury that no team in the Metro has and really no team in the Central has either where you can just play for the long haul now, and you pretty much know your opponent too. At the same time, this to me is the best part of Toronto being good at hockey is now the expectations swing from, <laughs> right. you know, we're going to struggle for a little bit as, as they were last year, even going into last year, I would say, to just ridiculous. Where they haven't won the cup in January, something's wrong. Mm-hmm. They should be so good that they, the cup should just be given to them in the middle of the season. Right. Babcock's quotes are funny in this. And by and large, when, you, when, when a coach gets cornered on what's wrong with his team, they, they just revert to platitudes. And he did this in large part. We need to shoot the puck more. We need to generate more things. Thanks for that deep insight. We all know that. And that's what you get from any NHL coach. They're not going to get you inside the, you know, the, the very fine points of what they're thinking, of what their staff is thinking. But in, in, in a, the face of all this criticism, his quote is funny. This, this is kind of how I look at it. He said, I think they hired me to decide. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a bad So y'all can quote. shut up. <laughs> what about the quote at the very end of the story? And that, that is the most Babcock quote. That should be, he should have shirts made up like that. But how about the, uh, I live scared every day, every single day, not as much in the summer, but all winter. That's how I live. <laughs> That's great stuff. That's, that is life as a hockey decision maker in Toronto, right? And he's, you know, there's guys in the front office that make the decisions, but Babcock is the face of the decision-making yeah. brass for the Maple Leafs. And uh, as he just pointed out, that's why he was hired. Let's talk a little all-star rosters, oh, shall, shall we? we, gentlemen? Mm. Sure. First of all, 1 to 10, what is your excitement level for the all-star? Zero. Okay. Wow. Now how can I top that? Mr. Pessimistic. How can I top that? Could not possibly. I will, not, I, I will tell you this, I will not watch this. Wow. You realize this is a hockey podcast. I will not watch it. At, at like a moral stance? Or there's well, something... You're know, nah, you know you going to watch the Pro Bowl instead? Yeah, yeah oh, God. They're on yeah. the same day this year, I think. They are. All right, I might have to watch it because I'll be stuck in the office anyway. You really? don't like the three-on-three? Three? You're really going to watch this? You're not. I'm, I'll be stuck in the office. What else am I going to do? I'll have it on the background noise. All right. I'm well, absolutely going to watch this. I'm absolutely not going yeah, to watch it. I'll be somewhere with my family. Oh, he's played the family card. See, yeah. it's so easy, isn't it? So convenient. Even if you need I to have kids for that reason. If, even if I had uh, kids, yeah, I'd well, make them no, watch this. You know, anytime I need a oh, my kid's sick today. Uh, my bank I've account used that says on you I guys don't. Five times. Yeah, you, my bank today. account says I don't. I don't need kids. I'm good. <laughs> That's what the receipt says. It doesn't even give you a dollar amount. It just yeah. says you don't need kids right now. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, the skills competition. You guys will watch that, <laughs> you, right? You could always put them to work. 
I guess we have labor laws. In the yeah, country. I mean, we have... Move yeah. to China and you can put them to work. Okay. And you can watch the Kings and the Canucks in person. Uh, you get like a tax write-off, though, for kids, don't you? I, I you get, do, actually. I'm uh, sure you do, but I think that cost a couple dollars more than that. Really? We don't want to talk taxes, do we? In light of recent events, let's not talk tax. <laughs> do we ever want to talk taxes? Probably not. Okay. So, the skills competition, are you guys at least going to watch that? Nope. Actually, no, I won't because I think I'm off that day and I will not be watching the NHL skills competition. The I don't worst. care. The worst. I'll see Twitter tell me who hit the puck really hard. It's not about in a the nine-game scenario. It's about the the fun. So about those all-star you guys are the rosters. perfect guys to talk to about these all-star rosters. Then, go ahead. Well, who do you think are the biggest snubs when you when you look at this? Um, off the top of my head, it's weird to not see Vladimir Tarasenko on there. Um, yeah. Bobrovsky. Yeah, he, he was one that stood out yeah, for me. Yeah, I'm a little surprised at that one. Phil Kessel has probably been Pittsburgh's best player. Phil Kessel's always underrated. Over the, over the course of the year, maybe not lately, but if you're going to go by the first 45 games or so, he's probably been their best player. Uh, yeah, okay. Those are the those are the three names. John Carlson, with the season that he's having, yeah. he's yeah. the one that jumped out for me. Yeah. I mean, with, with some of the other names that you look at, you you look at what they selected from the team, and you can say, okay, well, at least you can make an argument. If they expanded it, this guy probably has a good argument, too. But, I mean, he's he's having a fantastic season for Washington. One of the biggest reasons they've sustained success, and he didn't get in. You know, we should point out, too, because, like, Jonathan Marshall says, having a pretty good year. Mm-hmm. And yeah. another good, good that, one. That one Actually, a better good. year than James Neal or Marc-Andre Fleury, who at the time Mark of the Andre selection had played 13 games. Yeah, that's that's the old that's the Josh Hamilton pick from a few years ago where he played zero games in the first half of the season and got elected to the All Star game. Yeah. That's what the Florida yeah. is. The uh, the thing people have to remember is is with this broken into four divisions, mm-hmm. it's so restrictive of yeah. what players you can take. And maybe Vegas isn't the best example, but let's let's use the John Carlson example. You have to have one guy from every team. Yep. These these rosters are what eleven players deep. There's eight players in mo- or eight teams in most of these divisions. Yeah. So you really only have like three spots of wiggle room. If you're a team that's dominant and deserves to have five or six all stars, you're only going to get three probably right. at max. You got to have six fours, three defensemen, and two goalies. So you, you're limited that way too. I know a lot of people locally in Arizona were saying, "Why is Oliver Ekman Larson in there?" That has something to do with it as well. I, a lot of people thought Clayton Keller should have been an all star. I mean, you can look at Clayton Keller's numbers and. In, in in the grand context yes. of the All Star game, no, not so much. No, he probably doesn't deserve to be an All Star. No, but so you could say nobody on the Coyotes does. But when you're just looking positionally at what your needs are in the Pacific Division, yeah, Ekman Larson made some sense. Couldn't you then go back to the draft format and still play? You know, still have four teams. I know we talked about this briefly last week, but it was more in the context of just that's a more fun format in general. But if you do that, that frees up a lot of these restrictions. Then you just need to have – you still have to have one player from every team represented, but you need, what, 12 defensemen and – trying to do the math on the fly here – 24 forwards or whatever. That, this I mean, is fun. I'm that's, just going to yeah. watch. Thanks. Okay. So, yeah, <laughs> what, 24 forwards, 12 defensemen, and eight goalies? Is that about right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That, that's a lot less restrictive. I have no idea. I was going to say yes to whatever number you just said. Like this, so like 700 forwards, uh, three defensemen, well, and nine Well, that's my goalies. format, where you have every team represented. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> Including KHL format. teams. And yeah. Ooh. Mm-hmm. I like it. Another Summit Series. I like it. But wouldn't that solve a lot of these problems? The Summit Series? I don't think so. You know, you know, what, would be, you know what they could do for the All-Star game? They could, they could do this thing where they have all the best players yeah. like broken up by country. 
Hmm. And let's say they play at like a neutral site somewhere in the world, and then there's a tournament, and then you, you just give out medals. Would you huh. do this every year? Or like no, every no, no, four no, years? no. You don't overkill. Maybe every four years every or so. Four hmm. years. Interesting. Okay. Right around this time. That, I'd be much more interested in that. I'd put it in like like February, maybe not January. Yeah, yeah, February. yeah, yeah, yeah. Put it on NBC. And you know, because you already have the, the yeah. TV deal with Yeah, NBC. it's perfect. They should do something like that one day. I, I, honestly, I would even have like a bunch of other sporting events going on around it that are like winter themed Ooh. as sort of like a sideshow to okay. build up for I like that idea. And that way you get like Like you can partner with something. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, like, uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's on the tip of my tongue. I can't think of it. There's the rings. I don't know. Yeah, something like something that. Something like that. And just have it go for like two weeks. You don't want this to be like too much, you know, but just like maybe have like a ceremony to open things up and close things out and really a lot of pump. And yeah, that'd be good. Yeah. Craig, thoughts? None. No, okay, well. It was, what it was cute was listening to that, though. Was it? Yeah. We do what we can. How about uh, those rosters, by the way? Hmm. Mark Arcabello, first liner. Like six six guys with Coyotes ties. We a lot of, a lot of very... Verified that with Sean Burke, you know, general manager of Team Canada last week. Had a nice conversation with him, which you can read about on FanRag Sports on Friday, by the way. The I, I fear that the highlight of the uh, 2018 Olympics is going to be... Like, it's already happened. The Canadian fans' reaction to that roster when it was released was... It, it was something. And I, I don't think this is a coincidence that when you search for the Canadian Olympic roster online, it is remarkably hard to find. I'm trying to look at all the, like, ex-not-great-coyotes that were on this. Jobert Brule, Andrew Ebbett. Remember the Andrew Ebbett era? I feel like Rob Klinkhammer. Jobert Brule's making a comeback somehow. For a guy that seems to be done with hockey... Because he, well. he yeah. didn't want to play hockey. Yeah. He's playing in China, and he's playing the Olympics yeah. now. Christian Thomas. Uh, remember him? The guy trade for him for a half second. Uh, Wojtek Wolski was actually a great story. Oh, it's incredible. an excellent, excellent story. That's who I'm rooting for. Don Maloney's greatest moment, maybe. Uh, Stefan Elliott. Wow, there are a lot of former guys. Was, was that the Gormley trade? I'm trying to remember what that was. Um, what, did they, what did they give you up Remember Brandon Thomas? Gormley? Was Christian Thomas? That was was that the John Scott? I, my immediate thought was the John Scott trade. He got him. They got him from Montreal. Yeah, I know that for a I fact. Don't, I don't know that it was the John. Uh, Scott no, trade. Lucas Lessio. Yeah, that was going to be a Lucas Lessio trade. All right. And then Justin Peters. There wow. So we're basically looking at like the 2013 to 15 Coyotes will be representing Canada in the. Uh, yeah, the and, and, and the nation formerly known as Russia hasn't even announced its roster. Yeah. Did you mention so, Rob Klinkhammer? Did you skip right I did over? Say, no, okay. I did say Rob Klinkhammer. Uh, apparently, uh, yeah. I was, I was reading uh, ahead on the list. Is Russia the favorite here? Sweden. Or Sweden the Sweden. favorite? Yeah. Sweden, yes. Look, we, we said this, or at least I said this on the podcast back in August. Sweden's going to win the gold medal in the Olympics. Okay. And now we know they have to because if they win the silver, they'll Russia's throw it Russia's all the in on this one. All <laughs> in on this one, I'm telling you. We'll see. We'll artist formerly known as Russia. So one, one great anecdote from the Sean Burke travels across the entire former Soviet Union, now Russia. He, he ended up in Siberia, by the way, he, which he, none of us will ever visit. No one will ever go to Siberia. No, well, right? I mean, if we got paid enough as a podcast, we'd do a remote from Siberia. But most of his scouting was the KHL because he knew he had to fill his roster from there. There's no NHL players. Yeah. That, well, they, I mean, they, and then they knew later they could look at the AHL in college. But they wanted to but get... But yeah, like go overseas. <laughs> they wanted to get the K scouting done early. Yeah. And, and he literally, I mean, he Four. and... Yeah. A, a couple of them... Literally canvassed Russia, yeah. Sweden. He tells this great story about Sweden, you know, and, and you can imagine the, the the travel alone. He said every flight in Russia goes through Moscow. It doesn't matter where you're going, you have to go through Moscow and then fly back east. So he would literally do his sleep on the planes at night. Yeah. He, was, he was on a a train in Sweden going to a game, and the, the train broke down, and they told him all just to get out. Oh. So they're just literally standing outside the train. 
in winter, as he put it, wondering, in okay, winter. is it is another train coming? <laughs> what's going to happen? I have no idea what's happening here. <laughs> Life on the road. Oh. I still think, uh, I don't know, I'm looking at this, and I, I still think it's Sweden's roster. Like, they actually, they've got a pretty decent team, don't they? And it, it yes. also helps to have the uh, the future number one pick in the draft, too, on your roster. Yes. He might be the best player in this tournament already. You still haven't seen Team Putin, though. So no, I'm trying to reserve judgment until that roster comes out. Yeah. What are they going to call it? I don't know. I, just, yeah, I don't know. Don't they have to release the that trucks pretty soon? Like there's, there's games start coming up out like any, two weeks. Day any day now. They'll be announced. All right. Well, so far the the main player I'm watching in this tournament is Rasmus Dahlin. Is that enough for you to watch? You guys are going to watch the Olympics at least, right? I'll watch it, but I'm not going to have anywhere near the excitement levels I normally would. Do you enjoy watching anything? Uh, I I really enjoy watching Olympic hockey when I get to see not AHL All Star games. So you didn't like it when the amateurs played way back when you Jamie, I don't think Jamie I was, hated I the miracle alive. on ice. Jamie, I'm quoting Jamie. He hated the miracle on ice. I wasn't even <laughs> yeah, alive. I was negative years old. It's it's great when you're <laughs> quoting somebody as they sit next to you and they protest what you're saying. I was negative years old. <laughs> it calls your credibility into question just a little bit. But you know what, Craig? I'm still going to give. I'm I don't think Marco Cabello was Mike Ruzioni, Okay. I, I think his actual quote was, "I didn't actually see it, but I hated the YouTube video of Miracle on Ice." <laughs> You should watch the movie. The movie will it'll brighten your day. How's that? I like that movie actually. Did you like Miracle? I did. Yeah, that, I, that's like one of the few movies I actually own. Mm. Hockey movies. We should do an entire podcast on hockey movies. There are so many bad hockey movies. Oh, how dare you! There, there are just maybe one, two, or three good ones. Are you lumping Most Valuable Primate into the the bad hockey movie <laughs> category? Because I'm not going to sit here and listen to this. <laughs> I thought you were going to come at me with Young Blood. Oh, I, haven't, I haven't seen that since I was like five. Speaking of which, when's that John Scott movie coming out? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was supposed to happen, wasn't it? Funny how that has faded. Huh. Like we predicted. That, that, that might be straight en- to enjoy Netflix. Enjoy your 15 minutes. Yeah. Be honest, you're a little sad that John Scott's not in this All-Star game, Craig. No? Wow. Silence. Are you happy that Kid Rock will be at this All-Star oh, game? Oh, my. Good transition. Well, how, how do you get to the point of choosing Kid Rock? Help me understand this. I think the argument went something like bow with the taba to bang to bang and then that was enough. And, okay. and they just they, there you go. they bought yeah. right into it. I want, I want or well you said. read more kid rock lyrics. <laughs> actually you probably can't read a lot of those. Nope. I can only read the ones that aren't actually words. And for the record, I didn't read that. That was straight from memory. <sighs> yeah. Go ahead, Jamie. Uh, well Limbiscuit was busy. So they went to Kid Rock. Uh <laughs> They they are the most uncool the sports thing league Jamie's ever said on or off the air of, of this podcast. <laughs> the NHL is the most uncool sports league in America when it comes to stuff like this. Yes, they 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 never fail to mess things like this up. It's a horrible choice. It's a truly a horrible choice for a number of reasons. I mean, yeah. there there are a lot of please outline some of those. Uh, well, there are some political reasons why. Uh, there he's very divisive. He has said he's not inclusive for a league that claims it wants to be inclusive. Yes, uh, I'll just say he's not a good person. No. He has, so, a, he has a criminal record. And um, nobody's cared about Kid Rock in 15 years. That may be the biggest point. More Kid, importantly, Kid Rock is irrelevant. There. More importantly. I'm trying to find more Kid Rock lyrics, but Google's just saying stop. <laughs> so it's, it actually froze on me. Well, you know what? I, I just got that. a question. Why? Yeah. Like, I can't wait for him to sing about lakes in Michigan while he's in Tampa Bay. Why, why does this matter? Because he spoke at the convention in Tampa? What, why is he even related to this game? I mean, I guess they could have... I don't know the Florida music scene. Although... i got to believe they could have chosen a local To actor. be fair, I am so happy that there is a sporting event going on in the state of Florida that is not headlined by Flo Rida. 
because that yeah. seemed to be the trend of the That's... last five years. Is anything in Florida, we're just going to bring Florida? Hey, his name is our state's name. Yeah, He's yeah. in. Done. Done. So you guys will at least watch the All-Star festivities to see Kid Rock. Yeah, no. No. Okay. He's, yeah, he's... Kid Rock does nothing for me. Well, he does. He does something for me, but it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> they do seem to. They do seem to make sure all. If you're gonna do that, just go all in and get like the most random. Like get some forty-one or something. Just get the most random. SR seventy-one. Yeah. Let's get even more random. Some forty-one was too big, and uh, they have ties to Canada, so that would be too predictable. Yeah, um, maybe, maybe they'll play that sex tape with Kid Rock and uh, Creed lead singer Scott Stapp getting. You know, I won't. I won't say what's happening to them in that. Maybe, maybe that'll preview the uh, performance. Wow, they, nice choice, NHL. They they do seem to pick a lot of music from the 90s or very early 2000s. And not good music. It's the music we want to forget about. Yeah, from there, the there's 90s. somebody from the You could have... Part of this is demographics, right? Who are they marketing? Who's in the stands? Who's buying yes. the tickets? So you have to think about that. I know, like... Younger writers, when they write about this, say, oh, they should have chosen this band. Well, nobody in the stands knows who the heck you're talking about. You do have to know your audience. I get that. But Kid Rock? But yeah, like, that's the thing. Kid Rock, that's, that's the best you can come up with? Come on. Which, by the way, uh, it, it's, it's almost remarkable how universally disliked that decision was. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, it, it was, it's very odd to see everybody just like, no, this is a terrible idea, either from the reasons we outlined or just simply if nobody wants to hear his music. I don't think I could name you more than like three songs, so we'll see. Uh, do you want to say anything else about these rosters before we move on? No. What, what team's going to win? We're we talking about Olympics or All Star. All Star. No, not. I don't care. No clue. It's okay. Team scores the most goals. Isn't the team with Taylor Hall the one that always wins, or they're at least like they always go deep? Wasn't that the stat? Taylor Hall doesn't have a whole lot of success in terms of wins or losses in the actual NHL, but when it comes to All-Star games... Well, he did play in the... Well, I know, I know he's got, like, the number one pick luck. Yeah. That's the thing he tweeted about when the Devils got that pick. So, let's look at some potential trades, or at least some names that are going to be... Wild speculation. Let's do it. Yeah, let's, let's be the first on the continent to do it. Oh, wait, maybe. All right, Oliver Ekman-Larsen for Connor McDavid, who says no. Or uh, Austin Matthews, right? Yeah, yeah. Oliver Ekman Larson and Max Domi for Austin Matthews. There's uh, right, there's... right. We, let's let's play this out real quick. Okay. That trade? No, in, no. In particular. Okay. No. Does does Oliver get traded? At the trade deadline, no. Okay. Right. We can just kind of put an end to that for a the while. The only way that, Oliver that gets traded is if his agent makes it clear this summer that he's not going to sign with them. And many things will happen between now and then surrounding this organization. Yes. That's all I'm going to say right now, but there are a lot of variables in this decision. I, I think that's the best way to put it. Yes. If Even if Oliver were to demand a trade this summer, I think, A, there's a lot up in the air, like Craig said, that would you know have to happen one way or the other. And B, I think something would have to happen to push him to that point. I think he's pretty invested in this uh, town and team. And and, and I also, don't think just losing would push him out the door. And same thing as everything else. If you it, it ultimately, if they don't believe they can re-sign him, you don't let him walk for nothing. But up until well, yeah. that point, there is no reason for them to entertain trading him. And I don't think this is a situation where he has less value if you wait till next year. Like if you have to trade him, if if Oliver all of a sudden does a one eighty from what he's been his entire career with the Coyotes, and it's like I have to go somewhere else, I'm not going to resign. Then yeah, you do. I mean, at that point, you'd have to trade him. But that would be next year, and I don't think teams are going to be like, well, we would have given you a lot more last year being this year. I've worked myself into some sort of space-time continuum over here. But he doesn't lose value if you wait until next year. 
Agreed. He's mm-hmm. he. Let's make a few things clear here. Oliver Ekman Larson is the most valuable asset on the Coyotes roster. Period. Period. It's not as close as GMs around the league. That is absolutely what they will say. He is the number one asset on this roster. Now, if you're thinking, well, we can, and I, I know a lot of the Coyotes fan base is unhappy with Oliver Ekman Larson, who is has absolutely underperformed this season. Last season, I. I think with what he went through with the, with his mom and injury, I mean emotional and, and yeah, physical, yeah, prop, yeah, an injury ailments. You 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 write that one off. This season he has underperformed. He did have a really good stretch. He's looking to have a better second half, but in in spite of all that, he is still their best asset. He still has incredible upside. You know what he can be, and you need to unlock that. You you need to ask yourself maybe why he's underperforming. Well, is, is it all on the player? Or are there more factors behind that? And then if you are thinking, we can trade Oliver Ekman Larson and then just draft all and we'll have our, you know, our next defenseman. Okay, so you've pushed the Coyotes' future out a few more years yet again. I thought the fan base didn't want to see that happening anymore, and yet I see a lot of people on board with that idea. Let's push it out. If you're going to bring in a Swedish defenseman as your top draft pick, and this is assuming the Coyotes get the number one overall pick, nobody knows whether that's going to happen I guess would mean they've contracted Edmonton out of the league in this scenario, but go ahead. If you're bringing in a young Swedish defenseman, who would you like to have tutoring that young Swedish defenseman other than Oliver Ekman Larsson and Nicholas Chalmerson? Those would be two really good role models to bring him along. So you want to move them out of the organization and go young yet again? That's insanity to me. Trading Oliver Ekman Larson is insanity to me. You're you're already too young as a team, I think. And that's fine for what you've been doing. You've been sort of building to this. But when you're depending on teenagers to win you games, then you've won 10 of 46. I mean, Mm -hmm. that's just the way it's going to work out. At some point, you need to start building forward. And to me, we can't guarantee they're going to get the number one pick. I'm all sorts of committed to drafting centers with my first-round pick for the next five years, unless you're picking number one this year, right. then, yeah, you take Dolan and you play to your strengths. And your forwards your forwards are, are probably still a couple years away from being consistent point producers. So why wouldn't you make the strength of your team defense where you have Jacob Chikrin and Oliver ekman Larson and Nicholas Jalmerson and, in this scenario, Rasmus Dolan and Alex Gall? I mean, that that is potentially a stud defense core. And that's your best chance to win games. 100% on board with that. And here's the other thing to say about that. I know the the narrative is about this draft that there is no franchise center. That may be so. That may prove to be true. But if you look back at 2015 with McDavid, Eichel, and, and clearly Dylan Strom viewed as the number three guy, well, look at who's come along since then. Did anybody see Matthew Barzal doing what he's doing right now? Would you be okay if you got Matthew Barzal? Of course you would. Oh, that yeah. would help your center yeah. position immensely. You don't know. The draft is still a crapshoot. So do your evaluation. And if you if you think there's a center that has that potential, I'm with you, Luke. I, if you don't get the number one pick, you need to pay attention to that position because the Coyotes' center position is still nowhere near up to snuff. Do the comparison with other teams just in the Western Conference. Take a look at their number one center and then look at the Coyotes. Tell me who they compare to. I'm not, that was I mean, sort of rhetorical. Yeah, I mean, response from you on the spot. <laughs> Actually, I want it from Chris without a mic. Yeah, we have we hit bingo yet? By the way, no, no, apparently obviously, not. obviously okay. not. Uh, where was Mark Shifley drafted? Like seventh, I want to say seventh, eighth, ninth, mm-hmm. somewhere in that range. You can get those. You, 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 you can, can also develop. You know, it's not the end of the world if you maybe develop somebody. Interesting. You get a player that's maybe high upside, and you develop them into a very good player. 
the the last two things I would say on OEL. I know a lot of people look at the plus minus, and it's bad. I mean, he, <laughs> we were talking to him the other day. He pointed out uh, I'm a minus forty. Like he brought it up. I, I didn't bring it up, but that's a terrible number. However, as we've said for three years now on this show, and we're not the only ones saying this, plus minus has to be the most antiquated hockey stat. We all agree on that. Yeah, I mean, there's... It's there's, not an evaluator a, of talent. No, there's a little bit of... Tr- it's it's a, an evaluator of situation and team as much as anything. Now, Oliver's made some mistakes, absolutely. He's been on the ice for a ton of empty net goals because he's always out at the end of games trying to get mm-hmm. you the game-tying goal. And he's playing on a really bad team, and he's playing against top talent. So he is he's going to be in those situations more than anybody else where he gets victimized. If, if you look at Oliver and, and you're saying, you know... It, it, if you're looking at him for all these different reasons and you're saying, okay, well, he's only signed through next year. We don't know if he's going to stay. He should be better than this and, and blah, blah, blah and all that. I, I get it. But if you were looking at it and saying, well, his plus minus is bad. We need to get rid of him. <laughs> yeah. you're, you're, you're missing out. Do better analysis. If that's your reason, do better analysis. I'm, I'm looking right now. Three... Plus minus is a results based, not a process based. So using that to determine somebody's talent or true talent level is flawed. Of the bottom of the worst 14 plus minuses in the NHL, I know we're never critical of the Coyotes on this podcast. Eight of them are Coyotes. It's because not. they're awful. And he's the only one of those eight that's out there against the other team's best forwards every single shift, basically. And there's a, a thousand different ways to look at this, and I'm not saying any of them are bigger than the other. And I'm not saying that you should just discount the fact that he's a minus 39 or a minus 40, depending which, uh, which stat sheet you look at. But there's something to be said for the fact that he is playing defense on a team with a bunch of young forwards that, that aren't just young. Not, they're not, not even talking like 22-year-olds anymore. We're talking teenagers that turn the puck over a lot yes. and expose your defense constantly. Let's talk about how much the Coyotes are defending. Any blue line is going to look bad when you are defending that much. And this this part of what Rick Tockett is saying, I completely agree with. They need to generate more offensive zone time. Mm-hmm. They're not doing a good job of that. Their forecheck is not very good, and that's one of the biggest reasons they're struggling defensively. The only way I'm trading Oliver ekman Larson is if I'm getting a true number one center back in the trade. Agreed. And you, you nothing know, else. It's that's not going to be McDavid or Matthews or anybody. Uh, I mean, like I would take John Tavares back in a trade. You're not getting him either, and he's not <laughs> but signed. That, but yeah, there's no way that they're that you would trade John Tavares for Oliver ekman Larson unless so, you're not signing him. I, uh, yeah. Well, I, I mean... And then what's the point of making the trade? Yeah, so I mean... Oh, just, you mean the, the island, from the Oliver's yeah, perspective? perspective? Yeah, if they're yeah. not signing him, you, you take Oliver ekman Larson and maybe something else. Yeah. And I'd be okay with that. If well, I'm, absolutely. Like, yeah, if, at that if, point, if okay, cases, you're but, getting a number one center, that is the only thing that I would accept. A franchise center. Mm-hmm. Not just a number one center, a franchise yes. center. W- what is a more... Is there a name in your mind that's a more realistic... No. Because I, I don't no. think you can... Yeah, okay. There's no one out there. Because those players don't get traded. Yeah. No. Yeah. I was just saying, like, realistic? That's, I mean... Tyler Sagan doesn't get traded very often. <laughs> just just once, apparently. Yes. Uh, the other thing I would say on... on... you got to wait for Chevalier to get antsy with Dreisaitl. That's what you're waiting for. Yeah, maybe get that's antsy. the name. There you go. Give him, like, another year. Hey, what do you, how do you feel about this Dreisaitl on something else? Here's another Larson that plays defense. He's got the word Larson in Dreisaitl's playing wing now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Way to maximize your center. Hey, a lot, a lot of pay. Last couple people that tried to play wing near McDavid, they got traded somewhere else. So that's all I'm saying. Uh, last thing on OEL. If he, if he were to get traded, is there any team in this league where he wouldn't instantly be on the top defensive pairing? Uh, uh, from teams uh, that would be looking to acquire him? Yeah, but say like... Well, how about this? Is there any team in this league where he would get traded where he wouldn't be one of their top two defensemen? No. I mean, like Brent Burns is on the second pairing no. in San Jose, but you know what I mean. No. 
Yeah. So I, I wouldn't be so hasty yeah, to, to ship him out. You know, nobody nobody on the Coyotes should be untradeable, but I also wouldn't go down the path of maybe Nashville. Fifty fifty on that one. Yeah, maybe. You yeah. see Subban, that's that's close. Yeah, okay. Yeah, that's but fair. that's but, but I mean that's but they're not looking to acquire a defenseman. Yeah, no, that's yeah, that's the last thing that of they the need. teams that are yeah. actually trying to acquire oh, yeah. a defenseman. Well, know, I would I mean about Toronto. I would even expand it to just all thirty one teams. Is there is there any team where if he went he wouldn't be one of their top two defensemen? I said Nashville. And, and Nashville's the only one I can really think of. Yeah. I and I didn't even I think, think of that's it. I think that's the list. So I just like I said, nobody on the Coyotes should be untradeable, but I wouldn't be hasty to just make trades for the sake of trading them. I would listen to offers if teams want to come in and overpay for your guys. Mm-hmm. Sure, I mean, it's I, not if, working if they right are now. going to move non-Oliver Ekman Larson pieces, I would like to see them try with some of these high upside guys that might be struggling young players. We talked about, say, like Sam Bennett, for example, a few weeks back. I would like the Coyotes to, if they're going to do that, take a instead of just grabbing more second and third round picks – Take a shot at some of these 19, 20, 21-year-old centers or forwards yes. or players that played center before that are just, for whatever reason, they don't have ice time, they're not clicking in the, in the markets they're in, and see if maybe they can find a diamond in the rough. Yeah, because you need to move forward at this point. You You're just, not finding you franchise just, centers in round three. I'm sorry. You're right, just not. and you can't keep acquiring draft picks. Stop pushing your future down the road. I get that you need to acquire assets. You need to, they need to build their farm system. No yes. doubt about that, too. Because you know, I, I know people look at Tucson and say, well, they're winning like crazy right now. That, that means great things for the future. Mm. No, AHL set success does not no. mean great things for your future often. They have a few prospects down there, but actually not a lot that are actually, actually means you, That actually means you're probably older. I mean, yeah. older players tend to win in the AHL. Yeah, and they've, I mean, they've got Dylan Strom's having an incredible yes. AHL career right now. He scores every couple, night down there. Right, but. they've got a couple goalies down there, uh, yeah. you know, but then Lawson Krause, Nick Merkley are guys, but you look at their defense down there. I mean, I, I don't see anybody who's, you know, a, a top-pairing guy or no, probably it, even a top-two-pairing and, guy. And we saw that coming for a long time. Yeah. Of that, that, you know, the Gormley stuff failed, and we knew, like, oh, there's, there's not a lot going on down there. You spent a first round pick on Gormley. You spent a first round pick on Chris Summers. Yeah, they've got elite prospects and juniors. Yes, we, we need to see a whole lot more development on guys like that, like Pio Joseph. But, and but defense, again, yeah, defensemen are even further away than I'm with forwards. You. Find a center. Find a center. Try. You got one this summer. I'd, I'd be just fine with Derek Step, step on as number two, or you know, two guys of equal ability yes. at the top of your lineup. But find another center. You need one. Yeah. I don't want to open the Dylan Strom conversation again, but how is he scoring every single night at the AHL and not producing at the NHL level? Ask Andy Mealy. There's yeah, but, but this this is not all that uncommon. It, it's not, but Strom is such the extreme. He's not like a good AHL player. If he played out his whole career in the AHL, he'd be like the best AHL player ever. It's it's, it's the again, it's, it's too early to call him a quad A player, but that is where the trend is. Is he is. He excelled at juniors. He's excelling in the AHL, but there's a huge step between AHL success and NHL success. And he's got. I mean, Andy Mealy. You could look at him and say maybe not having the well, size, size is, is another issue if you're not already you know getting the job done at the NHL level. But Strom has the size. I, it's just it's weird. It's. I, it's I don't know. I, I don't. I don't struggle too much with that, to be honest, because I, I look at the skill level in the NHL versus the AHL. It's. It's night and I mean, day, and, and the speed of the game. But it, not it, ju- and not just the pace. Yeah. I'm talking about the, the ability to think the game really quickly, which I think is a problem for Dylan Strom as well. But that would make sense to me if, if we were sitting here saying, oh, you know, Strom's a pretty good AHL player, and he just, he's, he's you the, know, the below is, average is, at the NHL. He's he, so extreme. He has NHL skills. The issues that we've already talked about is, does he think to get the game fast enough in the NHL level, and can he move fast enough at the NHL level? 
that's not an issue. Like his, it just if we're talking about stick skills and, and scoring ability, he th those things. There's a really good chance those are NHL ready skills, but the things he struggles at. And we talked about this a few weeks ago. He's not going to get better at it in the AHL because nobody can challenge him. That's the concern. How do you think the NHL game better in Tucson? It, it, it that that's the problem. Yeah, and that's that's sort of what uh, general manager of the Roadrunners and assistant general manager of the Coyotes, Steve Sullivan, was saying. We sort of felt like he had done everything he could at the AHL, so we had to bring him up, and yet. Okay, he's yeah. reached his peak in the AHL. That's troubling. He's reached his peak in the AHL, yet when he takes that next step, he's utterly lost. I, I think he could still get something out of out of thriving in the AHL this year, although I, I agree with... maybe, but... Yeah, but... At I, some point, I said I think you it's have to... But this is his first year. The back part of the season, I'm sorry. At some point, you have to call him up, stick him on the third line, play him 15, 16 minutes a night, and let him sink or swim. I, I you know, I would At be on board with that. At some point, you have to that. do that. I've been saying that all along. And let him, you know, if he goes out there and fails for a week and a half... So what? Let and him, keep let him, him fight through it. See what he can do. Because you, you know, can't have, you can't have one it. bad game and then sit for four games. You just keep him in the lineup and see what happens. And I'm kind of more okay with doing that late this season than doing it at the start of yeah. next season. Oh, because absolutely. You, you need the cameo now when it doesn't matter. Yeah, you're 100 games out of a playoff spot. You're not. This season means nothing for you. And whether people expect them to make the playoffs next season or not, they need to expect going into next season that they can make the playoffs. So that's not necessarily the time to be experimenting with Dylan Strom. And honestly, you need to know sooner yeah, rather than later. Know. Is this Absolutely. somebody that is going to be a top six forward for us? Is this someone that's going to we're going to have to fit in the third line, or is this somebody we're just going to have to not yeah not count on for anything and adjust accordingly? Yeah. Okay. Speaking of trades, by the way, yeah. we started this off by talking about trade bait, and TSN compiled a list of, of players, and, and interestingly, they didn't have any Coyotes on this, so so maybe they're actually listening. Um, to oh, this podcast? Yeah, maybe so. Okay. I mean, we do say we set the agenda for the NHL. Well, we did last time. We talked about Anthony DeClaire. And he Except when it comes to music now. hours later. They didn't ask us. So yeah. of these names... Well, we didn't bring it up. I'm not going to read all 25 names on this list. That's that's a little extreme, but... Just 20 of them. There, there are some interesting names on this, on this list. Uh, Evander Kane has been talked about all season. Patrick for Maroon. That, yeah, that's the problem. Well, I mean, like only Edmonton would trade for it. So... What, is, what what are you going to get for Patrick Maroon? I, I mean, I get, oh gosh, we've, we've just realized that Patrick Maroon's really not the answer on our top line. We, we traded Taylor Hall and Jordan Everly, of course, but now we've re realized that Patrick Maroon is not the answer at wing, so you're going to trade him and then you're going to do what? With your, like, I, Patrick Maroon has got to play more first-line minutes in Anaheim and Edmonton than anybody, than his talent level deserves. Yeah, he skated it's with Getzlaff and Perry in Anaheim. Yeah, like the talent level he has played with is ridiculous given his talent level. Like the gap is crazy. Okay, two interesting... It's the Alexander Burroughs-Sedins thing. Wait, don't skip past those two yet. With Maroon, I, I, he has more value to Edmonton than he's going to have on the trade market. Agreed. End of story there. Evander yeah. Kane makes the most sense to be traded, which is why he's number one on this list, because he's an unrestricted free agent after this year. Uh, he got off to a great start this year. Buffalo's not going anywhere, and unless they are planning on re-signing him long-term, which I Doesn't don't sound think they, they nothing are. Out of, nothing out of Buffalo gives any indication that they have a long-term plan for him. He's going to get traded. I'm shocked he's not traded already. Okay. Two Canadians on this list, though, that I find interesting, and Max Pacioretty and Alex Galchenyuk. Those are interesting pieces right there. I mean, Galchenyuk's still 23. Yeah, so. what, but the, I mean, I, Montreal, well, they're insane up there. But, like, what, what, you're not going to get better players for them. You're, you're, not, you're not going to win that trade. But it's Montreal, so I do think that there's a lot of there's possibility a here because... Yeah, they, they, yeah, they traded for, they, they traded, uh, for Shea Weber. <laughs> like, let's do a one-for-one one where we clearly got, got the worst, the worst older player. So anything's possible. 
Pacioretty's not having a good year. No, he's, he's not. not. But, man, if Montreal wants to get silly, I'd be going after Pacioretty. Yeah, yeah. and Galchenyuk. Yeah. I'd take a chance on that. I'd take a chance. Galchenyuk's the sort of player like you were just talking about. Like, if I were a team like the Coyotes, I'd take a chance on Galchenyuk and see if a change of scenery sparks what he was like the third pick in the draft, wasn't he? Yeah. Sparks that, that sort of upside that we haven't really seen. And, and that's... That's one of those situations where it seems like maybe he's been mismanaged in Montreal and a change of scenery might actually do something. But if you are a team looking to contend it's right worth now, the risk. I'd be all in it's on worth that. You take a shot at that's, like that. That's, that's the guy that jumped out at me on that list if he's actually available. And, and there's been talk about him for a few weeks. But, yeah, that's a, that's a guy you'd love to add at the deadline that could really push your team over the top. James Neal is on this list, too. He's also, last thing I've had to read, he's hit, he's hit 30 goals for the last five full NHL seasons. Yeah. So, yeah, James Neal. Playing with questionable, I mean, at best, number two centers. Uh, yeah, and he hit 64 or more points each of the last three seasons. Uh, see, the, the, those are the kind of things I love. When a, when a proven player has one bad season and the team starts to give up on them, That's those are the players you, you target in. every time. Yeah, absolutely. Because he will bounce back next year and score 35 goals, and it's like this season never happened. That And he's got he signed past this year. So if Mon- I don't, I tend to believe Montreal isn't really thinking of trading him, but I don't know. You're, pay- you're paying Carey Price ten million dollars a year for the next twenty-seven years. You have to at least pretend like you're contending in the next couple years. Like if you're Edmonton, you can't rebuild. Why aren't you going? Well, I guess you're not going after Patrick Eddie because you're not making the playoffs this year. But well, no, he's a, he's a good player. Oh yeah, that's the other thing. They trade away good players. That's, yeah, okay. I know. I know. We talked about James Neal being dealt a lot. You know, yeah. we we had before Vegas. You know, became a cup contender. I, I can't imagine them trading all-star James Neal now, like, face of the franchise, he and Mark andre Fleury. I just can't see that happening now. But the the one other name on this list, why is Tyson Berry on this list again? Because yeah, Colorado, and everything's always sort of up in the air with them. I I mean, have you ever felt like Tyson Berry was a, a, a huge piece that Colorado's building around? For whatever reason, they always just seem to be considering trading him. He's signed for two more years. He's 27 years old. He's a, a defenseman that can provide some offense. He's right-handed, I believe, isn't he? I think Tyson Berry's a righty. I think so. So his value should be that much higher. I guess I guess if he's truly on this list, like if there's something to it, I know he's on the list. I'm looking at it. Yeah, he's, he's, and he's on IR right now with a fractured hand. So he's, I think he was due, like, missed four, four to six weeks. So, like, he'll back, be back sometime after the All-Star break. I, I guess the thought is if you're Colorado, you could get a lot of pieces for him. Maybe that's it. Uh, it's tough to try and think like Colorado, even though they did get pretty good return from Matthew Shane yeah, earlier this year. They're doing all right this year. Seven in a row right now. <laughs> Jonathan Bernie has been excellent for them in relief. Yeah, he has. He really has. Uh, if you made this list at the start of the year, and actually I did. Uh, you don't You don't make any lists. That's part of the gimmick. Oh, yeah. Okay. Well, no, at, at writing a list oh. out. Uh, James Neal was number one. Yeah. Mike Green was number two. He's number three on this list. And Evander Kane was number Three for me, he's number one on this list. So the only one that's really changed is James Neal. But uh, Evander Kane and Mike Green, they fit the they fit the requirements so well of they're not going to be re-signed at the end of the year anyway, and they're playing on teams that aren't going to make the playoffs, and they fill a need. I mean, Evander Kane's got 16 goals already. Mike Green, 25 assists from the blue line on a team that doesn't score a ton in Detroit. Those guys are going to get scooped up at the trade deadline or before. Agreed. Oh wow! Look at that! Look at that air coming in with a with a solid agreement over there. Craig, any final thoughts on Mike Green? I got nothing on Mike Green, but I want to talk about Andrew Cogliano. So, all right, well, let's do it. What do you think of this? I mean, he, he his Ironman streak ended. I think everyone knows the story now. Yeah. This incredible streak of 830 straight games ended because of a hit on the LA Kings' Adrian Kempe. People were up in arms about this. They felt like there should have been a little leniency. 
My take is that's crazy. Yeah, I, I, I you, he drilled him in the head. Yeah, sorry, yeah. that's a suspension. You, you cheapen just in a vacuum. You cheapen the streak if you then start making special exceptions. Yeah. Now I know he tried to stay low in that, but I mean he's looking at him the entire time. Yeah. And he gets him in the head. Again, we always say the onus is on the person throwing the hit to not make contact with the head, and he's looking at him the whole way. Look, it, it's you. You can't make special rules for for certain players. You can't. You can't say, well, you have an Ironman streak going, and, and what is an Ironman streak now? Like, is that, do we, at, once you get to 200 in a row, we're not going to suspend you. I mean, it is what it is. It's yes. an unfortunate way for it to end, but, you know, he, that's part of the deal, too. It's not just missing time with injury, but not Play getting by the suspended. Rules. Yeah. Yeah. Play by the rules. Why would you make an exception? It's, yeah. it's absurd to me this, that this narrative's even out there. I, I would it's like, oh, well, you're a 50-goal scorer. We're not going to suspend you. It's the same thing. This it's is not the NBA. It's, it's stupid. Yes, it's not the NBA. Yeah. yeah. Funny you should bring that up. Uh, yeah, isn't it? Chris Paul. Yeah. Skating. <laughs> Trevor Ariza. Right, the, right, anyway, right, right. That's, exactly. That's a different what? podcast. Um, no, I, I think on some level, it sort of legitimizes the streak that much more that it, not that he should go out there and get suspended to end the streak, but when you see that the streak ended at 830 games with a suspension, to me, that, that legitimizes those first 830 games. He wasn't getting special exceptions. He was playing through countless injuries, I'm sure, in 830 games. I mean, he's lucky to not have any major injuries in that stretch, but you can't tell me he skated through and was never hurt in those those first 830 games. And the fact that the fact that the league is willing to suspend him means Yay. that he wasn't getting a free pass. Yay, yeah, exactly. This is how the system should work. So, look, I get it. If, if, you, if you see it as a close play, then I get the general inclination to be like, yeah, it's got to be something bad for him to get suspended, but... You know, it's it's like in a basketball game where somebody gets their sixth foul. If you if you don't feel like it's a legit foul, it makes it a little more high profile, I guess. But technically, I mean, rules are supposed to be rules, right? Yeah. Again. Jeremy Roenick had thoughts on this, didn't he? Did he? Yeah. Jeremy Roenick uh, doesn't typically sure, have outspoken sure thoughts on Jeremy things. Jeremy Roenick had thoughts on lots of things. We don't have that audio though, so we're gonna move on. I might move on anyway, but go ahead. What uh, what what are we what are we saying about Corey Crawford here? It's, it was just a weird story, yeah. wasn't it? Yeah. Mark Lazarus, who's a terrific writer, terrific reporter, reports that he may be out the rest of the season with vertigo symptoms. Yeah. And then Scotty Bowman comes out and said, well, no, it's post-concussion. And they're saying now they expect him back this season. So how well, I mean, I mean, you can't, vertigo is a post-concussion, can't speak yeah. words, post-concussion symptom. So. Right, right, right. But we'll we'll see. But well, the, this fear of Corey Crawford being out, and when I saw the story, well, I was at yeah. the game, the Coyotes game, I'm like, okay, great, that's... That, yeah. That's going to make me right with Luke, actually. That's what I thought. That was my first thought. See? Now they're not making the playoffs. <laughs> I still wouldn't write them off. But if Crawford's out for the year, yeah. they're not doing it. It doesn't sound like he's going to be out for the year now, but, but I still don't think this is a playoff team. So No, and again, if it's post-concussions, we don't know. Did you see the Detroit game? Yeah, they're, uh, they lost 4 nothing to the Red Wings just before the break. Last game before the break. No, I, I, I absolutely hear you, but they're still... Only four points out of a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Eh, I guess five because you you got to catch somebody in the uh, central. Yeah, no, they're, they're actually they're only three points out of a playoff spot. So as bad as it's been, I'm, I'm not going to write the Blackhawks off in terms of making the playoffs. But my pick of them going to the Stanley Cup that's out the window if Corey Crawford's missing significant time. If he misses two weeks in the regular season, you know my thoughts on Chicago. Just get into the playoffs. Whether you're the seven or the eight seed, you're going to do some damage, especially because the West is wide open this year, or at least you could do some damage. But if you're in the playoffs without Corey Crawford, and he's been their best player this year. Which is more likely, the Blackhawks getting into the playoffs or the Blackhawks winning the NHL draft lottery? 
I still think they're Draft more likely lottery. to make the playoffs. <laughs> no, I, I, I think... The An- fix is in. I'm telling you, Anaheim's a better team. They just got to get healthy. Colorado's playing better. Like, that's, that's the problem. They have to... Somebody else has to drop off. Yeah, but if you win two games, you, you jump a couple teams. I mean, Vegas look, would beat Chicago in five games. Look what San Jose round. just I'm, did. I'm, I'm saying that right now. Mm-hmm. Vegas would beat Chicago in five in round I agree, one. I agree with you. guys are crazy. In nope. five. In no. a, if you told me that Vegas and Chicago, by some weird quirk of an NHL schedule, played five straight games in the regular season, and Vegas won four out of five, I'll buy that. Have the Blackhawks beaten Vegas this year? You get, has anybody beaten Vegas this year? You get Nashville into the beat playoffs, I will... I'll take my chances with Chicago. I absolutely a thousand times out of a thousand. Right, we need you this would, to happen. You would now. pick Chicago over Vegas in the first round. Yep. Oh man, we need this to happen now. Right now, would. how much are we putting on this? Well, they what, need to be in. What is the wager here? They need. Oh, yeah, we need to get in. So I'm hoping they make the playoffs. So yeah, now we know. Yeah, and watch Vegas just utterly embarrass them. I absolutely. The only way they would lose would be a game seven in Vegas. No. Five or six games is insane. No. No. It would be over quickly. Okay, let's let's piece Their this out. Their blue line is that bad. By, Brent, by the way, Brent Seabrook now third-pairing defenseman. So. Now, wait, does this get – are you guys going to back out of this if they go out and make some trade for a good defenseman at the trade deadline? And you're going to say, well, no. things have changed. I don't well, think they're one piece away. The funny thing – The I trade thinking, for Ekman Larson, maybe. The funny thing is I was thinking <laughs> when, when they were saying Corey Crawford's going to be out for the season, I was like, hmm, cap exception. I wonder what they'll do with that. Oh, boy. <laughs> but I don't think that's going to happen. The Chicago maybe, cap exception. Maybe Corey Crawford will recover just in time for the playoffs and they'll still get the cap exception. That sounds it's, a little more Chicago-like. Patrick like, Kane, uh, the Patrick Kane syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, okay, yes. I see how, it, and that worked out pretty well for them, mm. didn't it? But yes, right now, if, if Chicago's that second wild card and Vegas wins the Pacific, I'm all about this. Yeah, I'm, I'm in. We'll have to do some I'm sort okay. of show-related bet. We don't want to. I mean, we don't want to cripple Luke financially, so that's true. We'll have to figure out something else. It's impossible. <laughs> I drove here in a gold-plated Rolls Royce because my other Rolls Royce was in the show. Gold-plated? That's you can only afford the gold-plated. Well, that's why I said it's my secondary car. So you know, you know how I roll. Uh, anything else on Chicago, Craig? You wanna you wanna no, bet some more? I got I got nothing else. Pacific Division. I tried to bring this up just a second ago, and you guys just shot me down and talked over me. But San Jose went from not being a playoff team to winning three straight, and all of a sudden they're in the playoffs again, and they look pretty good. And I 100 percent with Jamie on on the uh, Anaheim is not in the playoffs right now because everybody's been hurt all year. Mm-hmm. They're three points out of a spot. That's a dangerous so team. Who's yes. falling out? Is LA falling out of this after all? After that great start, are the Kings falling out of the playoffs again? There's a real danger that that's going to happen. I don't feel confident in – I feel confident in the three teams that are currently at the top of the Central and Vegas. Everybody else, I wouldn't be shocked if San Jose or Calgary or Dallas or LA missed. Yeah, They're I, not all missing, obviously. I feel like An- Anaheim could catch any of those teams that, that Jamie just mentioned. They sure. can't, they, they're eight points back of Vegas – no, I'm sorry, they're 10 points back of Vegas, so that would be kind of tough, and they've played three more games. Yeah, I don't think they're catching Vegas, but no, I think they not. could climb to second but in this division I think, easily. But yeah. I think San Jose's getting in. I, I don't know what Calgary's going to do yet, but Calgary is also red hot right now. But they just never win at home. They're 13-5-4 in the road, yeah. but 12-11 and 11 at That's a good playoff matchup, Calgary against Vegas, and just play every game in Vegas because both teams would probably prefer that at that point. <laughs> I don't know, you know, what you just said, Craig. What is Calgary? Are they going to go out there and make... Trades for pieces at, think so. at the deadline? I think something's mm-hmm. going to happen there. Huh. That, the Pacific Division is... It's, yeah, it's, 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 it's interesting right now. It's I don't, been very off the radar all year. Edmonton, Vancouver, and Arizona are out. Are we all, wait, are you still saying Edmonton can make Is anybody saying no, Edmonton? No, no, no. I, I, changed, I changed that mid-sentence two weeks ago when okay. I said that. So when those I realized three teams are out. Teams are yeah. And that's why I don't think Chicago is going to get the number one pick in the draft because Edmonton's going to be in the lottery. So... 
we've all seen. We've never waited against the Blackhawks, though. I mean, the Blackhawks are the NHL's darling, so. I'm not even sure there's other ping pong balls in there when Edmonton's in the lottery. Well, you've never had the Blackhawks before. So this is, I guess this is the test, then. This is the truest test of all. Whatever Chicago does the rest of the way is going to be yeah, a major Chicago's going to point. miss the playoffs by two points and get the number one pick. Um, so <laughs> we, we know this. Worked well for Philadelphia. <laughs> Uh, we haven't talked about the Anthony Duclair trade, so do we want to briefly sure. get into that? We, we talked about it in the weeks leading up to it. We just sat here and talked about potential Coyotes trades, but to be fair, they've only made one. It's not like they are selling all the pieces off. They've made one trade. It's Anthony Duclair. Uh, I think all three of us liked his upside for this team, but I guess the flip side is if the situation, and Ed, Craig said this last week, and we recorded the podcast early last week, so it was before the, the trade actually took place. If the situation was uh, irreconcilable, then I guess at that point you got to move on, right? Yeah, and that's that's how they felt. That's how both sides felt at this point. But you know, it it should be noted that Duclair's side didn't get there until November, until he was a healthy scratch for whatever it was uh, five. I think it was five. Yeah, five of something. A a long stretch there there, where he was. There are a bunch of games where his agent told me. I mean, this is all on the record. You can read the story where his agent told me. At that point, you know, when you look at a player that's out that long a stretch of games, then to me, in my experience, it's about something more than them just wanting him to change something about his game. There's a, a philosophical difference. There's, there's a problem with the player, an irreconcilable difference with the player at that point. And that's when he said he requested the trade. A couple concerns against that, that backdrop. And, and look, you can't, you can't have your way all the time. If, if you were at a position where you had to trade Anthony Duclair, then you had to do it. Uh, the concerns I have, he obviously still has that upside. I think he has 25 goal, maybe even higher upside, depending where he plays a full season next year. I mean, he's not signed past this year, although you know, if things go well for him in Chicago, I'm sure they wouldn't mind having him back, but he's only played two games there, and then they went on their bye week. The upside is, is concerning because um, you don't want to get burned by that. But the other thing is this is really the first trade that John Chike has made where he's actually had to give something up. You know, All of his trades up to this point, and this is why I, I like – for the most part, everything he's done so far, he's either made trades that are just minor and he gives up nothing and he, he takes a flyer on something he gets back and, and maybe it pans out, maybe it doesn't. Or, you know, he makes a move to, to, to slide up and get Jacob Chikrin. I mean, he's made some good moves. He Most of his trades have either been good, not anything amazing. There's been no blockbusters, but either good or just a wash. Now, for the first time since he's been GM, there's some risk that you, you had to give something up. Yeah, agreed. Uh, but again, you got to this point where you probably didn't have a choice. I, I In the end... Some perspective on this trade. I don't think Anthony Duclair is the trade that's going to kill the Coyotes. No. First of all, he's no. a wing. I think you can find mm-hmm. those players. It's it be if he turns into a an exceptional goal scorer, you'll probably regret that because those are still pretty hard to find. But I don't think this one is going to kill them one one way or the other. And because his value was so low, you know, Richard Ponick might might have been the best you're going to do. But I don't I don't see the return in this trade meaning much for the Coyotes long-term. I guess the the fear is because Duclair's strength is goals, that's something that everybody can latch on to if he does go out and score 25 goals next year. People mm-hmm. are going to say you trade away a goal scorer, whereas if you traded away a guy that helps you maybe almost as much but in more subtle ways, people by and large aren't going to point to that and be like, look, you gave this guy up. But when you just when you have a number of goals, people can say, oh, okay, we'll just compare him to Ponick. And right now they both have zero goals with their new team. So Yeah, I mean the issue here is not even so much – the player anymore it's the principle behind how everything happened and it's the principle behind giving up on a high upside player almost immediately when you're a team that really does not have that luxury 
And I think that's the thing. It's not that, you know, Anthony Duclair might never figure it out. He might be a 10 to 12 goal scorer every year for his career, and that's what he's going to be. And he's going to bounce around the league. But the point is, is, and the point I made in my article a couple weeks ago that we talked about, was you didn't come close to doing everything you could to try to make Anthony Duclair work in your system for your team. And that is a failure whether or not this trade works out or not. Richard Panik could go on a Lee Stepniak-like second-half run for the Coyotes. That doesn't change the fact that you gave up on a 22-year-old player without really even trying to assimilate him into your lineup. To, to unlock that, you know, okay, to get past the, the issues that you, that you had with him. And there, there are stories that you hear, but none of them rise to the level of, oh, he did that? Okay, I get it. Yeah, just, and, just to be clear without going into the stories, they're not like stories like he's a bad guy off the no, ice. No, he's not. That, the, those stories have never once surfaced. But when you, you, you have to talk abstracts, people think, oh, there must be something wrong with him off the ice. Not the case. It's just a matter of does he have the drive to become a good enough player. And can he can – he, again, I, I think one of the, the biggest problems with Anthony Duclair is can he think the game. I, I see examples of him not thinking the game well when he's on the ice. And, and as, as one person told me, if you, if you deliver that message 20 times and it's still there in his game, what do you do? Can you, can you change that about him? Well, I don't know, but – I'd sure try everything under my power because of his potential. I would, I would talk about sports psychologists. I would talk about whatever, whatever new age techniques you want to talk about to try and unlock that potential, try to get him better focused in games, thinking better in games. I'd, I'd do everything that I could because the guy can score. And, and the important thing here, too, is that the Coyotes have and had time. If, if you are, again, if you are a cup contending team, I understand saying, look, we cannot dedicate that amount of time and resources and lineup space when we're trying to win a cup this year and need to win as many games as possible. You are going nowhere fast this year. There is no reason you couldn't use every resource at your disposal for Anthony Duclair and other players on this team that are struggling, because there are many of them that are struggling, to try to unlock what their potential is. Because the problem is, is you are banking on a good chunk of these young players between 19 and 24 to be your core for the long term. That's what you've been making on all these years. You've been losing and you've been selling the idea that, okay, the future is coming, the future is coming. You cannot give up on players this quickly if these are supposed to be your future. Yeah, I mean, make no mistake about it, Duclair right now is a flawed player, but it's entirely possible the change of scenery is going to spark him. Maybe this is a wake-up call because, to me at least, watching him fairly closely now for the last three years, what he's missing is the sort of stuff that if you can teach if you can if you can teach a player to improve in certain areas they're the areas he's deficient in you can't necessarily teach a player to score goals so again if they they felt like they had to trade him then i get it and and i'm not saying that he's the perfect player right now he clearly is flawed in a lot of ways but it worries me when teams like chicago and some of these other teams that you hear were interested are the ones coming knocking because yeah by the way his, good his agent says one of those teams is the rangers so that narrative you heard that the Rangers, you know, gave up on him too. Not sure that's true. Yeah, I mean, and there was a quote in my story that via Craig, when he was in New York and talked to Elaine and, you know, the, it was the opening season after the trade. So it had to be a few months after Anthony Duclair was traded yeah, to the Coyotes. And the thing with that team and the difference between what the Rangers did on that trade and what the Coyotes did on this trade is the Rangers were all in that season. They were getting Keith Yandel to try to win a cup that year. They and then didn't they didn't have use them t- on the power play. And they, yeah, well, yeah, that, that's a whole different scenario there. But they didn't have time to try to develop Anthony Duclair when they thought we can get a player that can help us right now win a cup. 
The difference is the Coyotes are not in that spot. They're not even close to that spot. You have time to see. You have time to see if you can make this work. I, I think that's a great distinction to draw. Actually, what both of you just said, and specifically, you know, from from Craig. He just complimented us both. I know. Yeah, and now so I'm going to try and walk it back and just he point just to what Craig pull said. Pull that one out. And yeah. Use it repeatedly. Yeah. Just delete that. I know that wasn't on the bingo card. Uh, we should have a bingo card of things that we've never said to see if we actually hit on them. I think it's important to know. And, and look, I don't feel like the Coyotes are bashing him and saying, "Oh, this guy was a disaster, and that's why we quit on him." I think they just. John Chica took the tact of it. Just it was time for both him and us to move uh, on. John Chica's quotes afterward were uh, not exactly very becoming of a general manager that wasn't trying to prove a point. Well, either way, I think it's important to point out that the Rangers weren't quitting on him because they don't like him. They were quitting on him because they saw a chance to win a cup, and he wasn't going to help them win a cup that year. And they didn't win the cup yes. anyway, but are you really going to complain that your team went all and, in to try and win? Yeah, and in that same yeah. Alain Vigneault quote, as, as you know, he acknowledged, okay, can, can Anthony put it all oh, together yeah. work, with the work ethic and everything? But, and he might not. It, but but Elaine, basically, Elaine said, time will tell. So you have to give it time with a young yeah. player. You have to find out. That's the risk here. If, if what the Coyotes traded away is what Anthony Duclair is going to be for his entire career, nobody's going to be talking about this trade three months from now, ever yeah. again. But if he evolves into the player that you see flashes of him being able to be, then, you know, that's it's going to be talked about. That's yeah. just the way it is. And people are going to forget a year or two down. Like, remember when they traded Daniel Briere 700 GMs and owners ago? Um, sp- Specifically, since I was on that road trip in Colorado and he was sobbing outside the team bus, yes. I so you, that so one. you do specifically I remember. Kind of remember that one. I, I can't tell you how many Coyotes fans still point to that, and and they're like, you know, he traded away a guy, and look at the career he had. And, and that's that one. I mean, but that was more Mike Barnett. Yeah, again, that was seven hundred well, GMs ago. Well, he was a disaster as Does a GM. Does that make Mike too, Barnett's and, top five and, worst? And look, things? everybody's like, well, we, you know, they changed the rules afterwards, so it it it, it gave the advantage to to smaller players. Well, all that stuff was in the in the winds already. If you were paying attention, we kind of had an idea that they were going to alter some of the rules to open it up, to open the game up for offense, smaller skilled players. So, if you had followed along with that narrative, you would have looked at Daniel Briere and said, "We got a guy who fits that mold perfectly. Let's hang on to him." But they <laughs> they went another direction and got a player who was an utter. Well, there were a lot of bad trades in the Mike Barnett era. Well, say, there were to be lot. clear, I'm, I'm not saying Anthony Duclair is, is no. going to have the career Daniel Briere is having. I'm just. Trying to make the point of if he goes off and has some amazing career, two or three years from now, people will still be talking about it. And they won't be even remembering the fact that the situation had become irreconcilable and the Coyotes had to Correct. Move on. Like I said, the, the issue with sometimes with this is people think, uh, me in particular, are latching onto a specific player. It's not, the, it's not Anthony Duclair I'm latching onto. It's the, the concept of what happened. The process. Because the process and the concept of what happened is troubling. Now, if this is the only time, if, if this is the only, the only player trade, this happens, it's not troubling. If it's the only player this happens with, you say, okay, you know what, you move on. It's a clash of personalities, whatever it is. But if this begins a trend, you're going to look back and say this is a troubling thing to happen if it continues. And that's why I think the rumors that float around the Coyotes that, oh, they're going to trade this guy and they're going to trade these three guys and this this guy over here, that's not helping their image right now. Nope. And that's not anything they've done. They are not. They haven't traded all these guys. They've traded one player. But there's this narrative out there that Oliver's getting traded and, and numerous other players. How about this? Let's, let's play a game. And maybe Craig's the only one that can truly answer this. The trade deadline is... February, February? 26th. Okay, yeah. Over, under, one and a half more Coyotes trades before then. One and a half? Yeah. Well, you've gotta, you have to set it at a half. So. Two trades. Uh, so you're saying whether it's two or one? Yeah, or you know, even more. 
Mm, no, I, I don't think it's going to be more than two. I, I don't expect... Look, John Trigg is on the record saying this. We don't expect to be very active. We all thought the Anthony Duclair trade was coming, and that would be the only mm-hmm. significant one. I think you look at... You look at some other expiring contracts as possibilities depending on the return. Yeah. I mean, if someone wants Luke Shen... But those aren't those yeah. are yeah, normal are we, are we moves. About about any no, that, that's I'm counting those as well. That's okay. why that's why I said it at one and a if half. If someone wants Luke Shen, maybe you consider that. Sure, you open up a, a roster spot, and maybe you think, well, he's, you know, he's a third pairing guy on our team anyway, yeah. so we can move someone else in because they don't Fine. have a ton or, of UFAs or sign a. You know, yeah, they've got it's, Zach Ronaldo, Brad Richardson, yeah. who I who John told me they want to resign. They like Brad Richardson's game, and I I'm glad to hear that because I know some people think he's having an off year, and he probably is. Has he fully recovered from he that surgery? He was really I don't know. hurt. It was a major injury. The second thing is, Richardson's a great guy in that locker room. Yeah. So I, I agree with bringing him back because they need those veteran voices. And you have to draw this distinction, too. He's a bottom six center. Yes. So he doesn't, you don't hold him to the same standards that you hold yeah. Dylan Strom to when you're calling him up. And by the way, that fourth line has been terrific lately. It has. Um, but beyond that, beyond the UFA, is Zach Ronaldo's UFA, I, I I don't know if they're going to move him or not. Does yeah. anyone want him? To me, the most interesting thing to watch is, do they move players that are under team control? Yeah, RFAs. Guys like Tobias Reeder and Max Domi, are those guys that they're thinking about? Max Domi's had a terrible year. Let's let's just say that outright. He's had a terrible year. What's going on there? Why, why isn't Max Domi progressing? What's happened there? Because he has definitely taken a major step back. So is that is that also a clash with the, within the organization? I don't know what's going on there, to be honest. Toby Reeder, I don't think, is a guy who's necessarily in favor with the coach as well. So you look at a guy like that. And, and you know, I know there's been some talk about Jordan Martinuke as well, but he's played really well lately, and, and I think he has the style of game in some ways and definitely the attitude that can mesh with this coach because he is a guy who just gives maximum effort all the time. So I didn't answer your question. Uh, I, I just, no, uh, I, it was just a talking point. Go ahead. I knew yeah. you weren't going to actually pick a number. That's fine. I, I know you. But I think you answered the question. Oh, wow. That sounded underhanded. Wow. Right? Well, I knew you. Well, I'm sorry. Was it too you. underhanded? I oh. thought like it was you pretty, just be overt? pretty, okay. pretty yeah, clear. Just go ahead and say it. No, I thought I, I you don't said have the courage, it, Craig. I said it very, very clearly. Okay. Craig, you don't have the guts to pick a number. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> like I have to repeat myself. So where are we ending here? Uh, Renee Rancourt, retiring. So how do you feel about anthem singers? Does this get you going one way or the other? Do I don't you care? care. You don't care. Although I brought up Jim Cornelison and, and Chris's eyes just lit up. You like him. He's your favorite? Leftovers? You like him better than Wayne Mesmer? See, I don't. It's getting heated in here. He's, I guess here, here's what it is. And I say this and that I'm going to give a, I'm going to contradict myself with someone, but I don't awesome. like, I don't like anthem singers that are too theatrical that try to become the show. Not a big fan. Renee Rancourt absolutely is theatrical and one of my least favorite anthem singers. So when I saw it, I was like, oh, that's good. Get him out of the game. I never like listening to him say the anthem. Game. Get him out of the game. Wow. Plus, he, you know, he performs for the Bruins. I'd rather him perform than Kid Rock. That, that's fair. Uh, I, I was still a, a Wayne Mesper fan. Still, still how I was raised. But, you know, on the flip side, when I can listen to someone sing the anthem, I have no person I would rather listen to than Jeanette Renault at Montreal Canadian Games because yeah, she's, she's I get goosebumps listening to it. I'm not a Canadian fan. I'm not Canadian. And I listen to her sing, and she's unbelievable. We've tiptoed around Montreal a couple times on the show. How are they not in on Duclair? I just said something nice about Montreal. No, I don't want to bash him again. No, I'm not. I'm not bashing. It just I know a lot of Montreal fans 
were expecting to get Duclair if he was moved. I think they might have been in on him. It's is that they weren't trading him for Galchenyuk, so that that's limiting on some level for the Canadians, isn't it? I mean, you, you sort of have this stance where if there is a French-Canadian player, you, you really want him on your team. Now, Duclair, I think, is a decent player, so it makes sense. But that's... that's You can't put that limitation on your roster. No. but Or, they, or your coach. Or GM. Yeah, or your GM. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's, it's silly. But. To, have, to have continued success in the league, you got to be... Again, I, under, I understand board. why they do it. I, I do understand I, I do their too. logical reasons behind it's a very it, unique but it market. doesn't help them win hockey games. I just, I guess, I wonder if the perception is the reality. Do they really value players that come from a, a very specific background? And again, to Jamie's point, it makes sense. It's a very unique market. I understand why you would do it. But do they really value them that much more than other players? Because that. Well, I mean, I was talking about more of GM and coach. I understand, hey, can you please speak the primary language in the, in the area in which you are coaching and generally managing? I, I get it. Generally managing. Generally managing. Uh, so I, I understand that. It does very much limit the pool of talent that you can uh, you can pick from there, but I understand that. In terms of players, I mean, I think you, you want to win. Do we have a poll question before we wrap up? People are this is your job. What, yeah, poll questions. I mean, we're a team here, right? This is, there's no, are we? There's no I in the Natural Hat podcast. So <laughs> you guys need to step up and, and really do your part. Oh, ending, uh, ending on a strong note here, I see. Uh, that's about as strong as we started. All right. It's going to do it for us. For Craig Morgan, for We're Jamie Eisner. We're just not going to do a poll? Uh, no, I'll do up. the poll. I guess yeah, I'm doing you, it myself. You can look for a poll that Luke will come up with. Because Maybe. neither Jamie and I will contribute. And if he doesn't remember, just, just tweet at him clear. all day. By the way, before we end, I want to thank a couple people for offering to buy us Starbucks. But I, I, honestly, I was just kidding. I didn't feel comfortable. Well, I wasn't taking. No, know, Luke wasn't kidding. On the other hand, if, if you want to send those gift cards to Luke or Jamie, they'll probably accept them. And then we'll I also accept cash. And we'll thank you. That's, I also accept yeah, cash. I mean, it doesn't even have to be a gift card. Money orders. I don't accept Bitcoin yet, but that's uh, you can send to a leftovers. Okay, we need to cut he's, this he's off. A, he's a big cryptocurrency guy. Yeah, no, this is just Jamie trying to collect it's money. It's getting awkward. How about this, though? I will say this. Uh, episode 131 poll question was, which second half NHL storyline are you most interested in? And? The options were, how far can Vegas go? Mm-hmm. Kucherov shot at 50 and 100. Pittsburgh and Chicago missing the playoffs? Question mark. Like drum roll here. Who lands the number one pick? Question mark. Quebec, LOL. And qu- uh, we didn't have room for a fifth option. So, which one of those would you guys have voted for, and which one do you think won? Jamie. Vegas. Okay. And you think? Both. Okay. But I would have voted for that, I don't think that one would have won. I'm, I'm on Vegas, too. Sorry. Sorry to pick the same one. Should I pick a different one? No, no, go ahead. I mean, that, that was good. the overwhelming winner, 45. Yeah, it was the overwhelming winner. Yeah. Unlike us in bingo, where we didn't score yeah, I'm, I'm very single square again. yet again. I, I still don't fully trust leftovers. Is there? I, I, don't, I don't fully trust him. What are we going to do with bingo now? Do we need to Steal alter this? Cards? Well, yeah. I mean, do we need... Steal the card. Does one of us have to look at it and try to influence a couple answers into the the or a couple topics into the show next I just week? Think we steal the card. Did, did I say that on the air? I think I did. Yeah, yeah like we steal the card, look at the answers, and then talk about it. I, I don't. I don't know. I just have this weird feeling that uh, he's holding out. If if we not on us. if we get a hold of the card, I want it to be on the air because I want Jamie's angry reaction if he feels like we've mentioned three or four of them. Maybe we should get the card at this point because it's pretty clear that we're right, never if, going if we to get If we don't hit it otherwise. by the end of the show next week, that we should be our last. That should be our last segment. We close next week. We have no segments on this because it's a podcast, but what, we whatever. close we close the show by looking at the card next week. Okay, all right, and then look if you want to send us a new card. We're not going to complain if you attach $500 to it. All right, for Craig Morgan. Or Starbucks gift oh, yeah. cards. <laughs> either Address way. to Jamie or Luke, of course, because yeah. I won't accept them. And, and Craig, I'm sure, won't benefit from those no, either no. behind the scenes. No. 
For Craig Morgan, again, and Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.